anytime Olympia is in session. And, and by Olympia, obviously don't mean the city. I mean the lawmakers, our state lawmakers. Anytime they're getting together to talk about new laws and budgets and this and that, you gotta be on the ball. You gotta be watching what's going on. We've been telling you, of course, about this big deal down in Olympia over stream buffers and what's going to happen if something like that goes forward to the future of, of farming. It, it, it was a major concern. Well, thankfully, you know, I don't want to be too overly optimistic here, but it looks like that whole thing has uh, th- this idea that would have been a farming killer has, has died um, a pretty quick death. Um, at least I, from my, what I'm told, it's, it's mostly dead. Welcome back to the farming show here on KGMI News Talk 790. I am Dylan Honkoop with Save Family Farming and Whatcom Family Farmers. Joining me on the program from Olympia this morning, Washington State Senator Ron Mazal uh, calls a Whidbey Island home and and he's a beef guy himself so many many years around the farming and ranching world and and now he's down in the uh craziness down in olympia he's got a a, an important bill that he's introduced relating to stock water water for animals farm animals and we're going to get into that in a minute but uh, senator mazal first tell us what okay what happen here with this whole buffer thing the so-called lorraine loomis act that the governor's office uh, decided to spring on us in december and january well good morning dylan yeah this was a surprise to i think everyone except a few limited stakeholders and um, the governor um, and a couple local tribes came up with this lorraine loomis act who was um, very involved in, in the salmon issues in the state of Washington, and she died here this, this last year. Mm-hmm. But this this act, uh, this uh, House Bill 1838, was, was really a takings bill. It, it took away farmland from, from uh, private landowners who just perhaps had a salmon stream, river. Uh, we don't even know the final definition of what it was going to be. It could have been a ditch, and we're talking hundreds of feet. And then it was going to require them to replant uh, this buffer area into trees, ensure that they lived and that they attained the appropriate height uh, in the appropriate amount of time. And if they didn't accomplish all of that, um, they were going to get fined $10,000 a day. Um, it was draconian in its pursuit. And really no sound science, because like on the main stem of the Skagit, there is no issue with water temperature. So uh, what was it going to accomplish except for taking valuable farmland? I've heard from 11 to almost 20,000 acres in Skagit County alone out of production. And uh, a complete surprise to everyone who it was going to affect. Well, and and even in areas where there are water temperature problems for salmon, for instance, the 
South Fork of the Nooksack River up here in Whatcom County. Uh, thousands of fish died this past summer due to water that was too warm. The warm water caused a bacteria uh, to flourish that ended up killing a lot of, uh, from what I understand, adult um Chinook salmon. I believe it was Chinook. I'm shooting off the top of my head here. Um, it, it would a 225 foot forested buffer be guaranteed to solve that problem? Even um, the science, of, as far as I understood, it was out on that. So I, I know when when uh, when I saw the testimony of you know all kinds of I think it was what over 200 people signed up to testify on that bill when it was up for a hearing um, a, a week or two ago. <laughs> so many people were going with this false equivalence that you, you vote for this, you support this bill, it's going to save the salmon. They, they tried to apparently roll it all into one, and, and those who were honest on either side said, look, you know, at the end of the day, this may or may not do good things uh, for salmon even. It certainly would destroy farming. And, um, you know, maybe there are a lot of other things that we need to be looking at here too. So politically, how did this get to the point? Again, we're talking with Senator Ron Mazzal. Um, how did this get to the point where, I guess, cooler heads prevailed? Well, um, the, the outrage, the, the, the pushback, the fact that you know they they the landholders who were going to assume all of this liability had never been consulted on this. This was marketed as the big saving uh, grace to getting salmon back, and I don't think there's any of us who don't want the salmon runs to come back. Unfortunately, there's a lot of things that are controlling that that have nothing to do with the buffers, and no promise that the buffers were going to affect that. I mean, we know from tagging studies in the Skagit that we're just losing, the fish are coming back, um, but we lose such a high percentage out in the open ocean, whether it's to predation, whether it's to sport fishing uh, along the Canadian coast, or whether it's to trawling in the Gulf of Alaska, um, the numbers just can't make it back. So um, this one thing was not going to be the answer, but it sure was a divisive one. And there were tribes who were against this, who felt that, why are we destroying the relationship that we've built with voluntary stewardship by, by having this, once again, draconian bill that comes in and theoretically um, is going to save all the salmon, yet it probably will have very little impact. Yeah, and I, I see two big problems here. One is the, the actual technical problems with all of this. That it, it would not do what they say it would do for salmon. It would cause so much collateral damage with farming and others. But then on top of that, like, as you mentioned, you know, the lack of transparency, the lack of outreach to stakeholders, really this was political malpractice as far as I'm concerned, as far as how this was brought forward by the governor's office with almost no involvement and just the way that it was gone about. In fact, I think it's, it's a shame because I think it's damaged the cause of salmon recovery because that's something that requires collaboration between all kinds of stakeholders. Uh, it's a big deal. Like we've, we're talking about here, there's no just one thing that's going to fix it all. It's going to take a lot of different work if people are concerned about that. And as you rightly point, virtually everyone agrees we need to be doing things that are good for salmon, helping restore salmon runs. But a, a move like this politically creates so much distrust and anger that it just 
make salmon recovery that much harder. Well, and and you're exactly right. That that is I think that there was another part of this which is kind of escaping observation and that was it took the um it changed the conversation and it took the optics off the fact that of course, he he was with a local tribe there on the Skagit. The governor was that mm-hmm. was proposing this. It it took the um, uh, the responsibility off of Seattle City Light. Once again, oh, this is going to save the salmon in the lower delta, and yet we know that forty percent of the Skagit River is behind dams with no fish passage. And this has been something that the upper river tribes, the Soxhawatls and the upper Skagits, have been saying, we need to open up the 40% of the river that's behind these dams to allow fish to get over the top of them. Yet Seattle City Light continues to try to take the optics off of that and point it down toward the delta of the river like that is the problem. I mean, if you locked off 40% of your house and you just kept everybody in, in the other portion of it and you yeah. never talk about the other 40%, pretty soon they're going to forget it's there. Well, we haven't. And I think that these these uh, these games we're playing are simply to, to keep the, uh, the vision off of what the real problems are in that system. But this is going to affect all of Western Washington. Don't get me wrong. But when you're pouring millions of dollars into um, side jobs and not, not addressing the real problem on the Skagit itself, well, then you're, you're, you're keeping the optics away. Washington State Senator Ron Mazal with us this morning on the Farming Show here on KGMI. I'm Dylan Honkoop with Save Family Farming. Senator Mazal, uh, speaking of water, you know, we're talking about water a lot already uh, around this big, dumb buffer controversy. Um, there's been other, you know, plenty of other water controversy going on. We've talked a lot about it here in Whatcom with the proposed water rights adjudication. Another thing that we have not talked much in if at all, about here on the farming show uh, is what the Department of Ecology did within the past year on stock watering and and the rights of of folks to water animals from streams. Explain what's going on there. What what uh, ecology did and how you're trying to to fix this problem. So we. <laughs> Just one of our staff caught it in a meeting that the Department of Ecology was looking at rule change um, when it came to stock watering on streams. And it was kind of like, okay, what's going on? So the deeper we dug into it, what we found was is that they, they claim that they haven't enforced it equally across the state. Um, as you well know, the last 25 years, we've encouraged livestock producers to fence off streams to put in small diversions, whether it's through nose pumps, solar pumps, maybe even gravity, to provide livestock water outside of the riparian zone. And we promised them that when they did that, they wouldn't have to apply for a water right, because what's the difference between the animal going to the stream and getting a drink or being 2,500 feet back from the stream at a, at a water tank or a nose pump, whatever. And we told them, no, this isn't going to involve water rights. You're doing the right thing. We're going to take care of you. Well, now DOE is looking at changing that. Um, my bill, uh, Senate Bill 5882, it's a simple bill. All it does is that 
It ensures that the legislature recognizes that livestock watering is a pre-existing right. I mean, it's before water rights. It's before the 1917 water right law. We recognized an owner's right to water their livestock from surface waters, be it a stream, river, lake, whatever. And the same applies to groundwater too, right? Well, yeah, we've got a certain amount. You're allowed 5,000 gallons a day and, and so on. But the real issue here is the surface water. Yeah. And um, this is really important in some areas of the state where there's no access to, to groundwater power, the ways of getting it out of the ground. This is what happens in, on free range. And uh, so, um, and we've had areas of the state where, where streams have gone through adjudication, and one of the first rights recognized was livestock watering. So to change this, to change this in rule, um, really negates what we know as law. And so I introduced this bill. We had a hearing yesterday in the Senate Ag Committee. Um, we had 380 people show up pro, about 20 con. Um, those that were con were a smattering. De- Department of Ecology showed up con. Department of Fish and Wildlife showed up con. Sierra Club showed up con. Imagine that. But um, overwhelmingly, it was all uh, in favor of this bill, which doesn't change anything, which doesn't give away water rights. It doesn't impact anything except that it recognizes that this is a part of Washington state law and that we can't just, through a rule change, change that. Why would ecology and WDFW or, or anybody be against that? What, what, they, what do they really think they're accomplishing here? What, what were they thinking when they came out with this 1838 and riparian <laughs> zones? You know, if, yep. we can, if we can close off agriculture from the ability to water livestock, if we can take farmland away from farmers, claim that it's going to help salmon, we're, we're just that much closer to making all of the outdoors a great, nice park for the urban folks to go out and enjoy. Uh, I really think that there is a... <laughs> There is a push to, I mean, we've heard it with the state timberlands. Oh, yeah, well, we just want them as a park. We don't want any timber taken off it. For some reason, they think that they're going to get their food and their lumber from someplace else. And I said Mm -hmm. that with both of these water bills at a time when, you know, the passes were closed down, when the store shelves are empty, we're going to go out and negatively impact local agriculture. How much sense does that make? But why should I say that? Because I'm in Olympia. <laughs> well, for people who who don't know you, and again, we're talking with Senator Ron Mazal um, from Whidbey Island, uh, Republican of Oak Harbor. Uh, technically, I, I think is the, how you're noted as a senator. Uh, talk about your background for people who don't know you in in farming and ranching. So, our family came to the island in 1910. Um, we bought a bunch of cutover timberland. There was some of it that was that was cleared and had been burned off by the local tribe um, to hunt on. But we um, we bought a bunch of cutover timberland and started farming. And uh, I'm the fourth generation on the farm. The fifth generation is vested, and we got grandkids growing up on the farm. We dairied until 2006, and by that time, then we had. Uh, 
We'd converted over to raising seed crops and then raising beef, pork, lamb, and poultry products for the local market. And now we have our own store, and then we supply a bunch of other grocery stores. And through a USDA co-op, then we process the beef, pork, and lamb. And um, we've got a layer flock, and we raise a bunch of fryers that we sell through our, our store. And so we are direct marketers of, of everything we grow um, directly to the consumer. That's awesome. And uh, one of these days, I'll get you on my my real food real people podcast because i want to hear more of your family's story uh there on on would be uh, again senator ron mazal here on the farming show what what do we need to do to switch to one other big hairy water issue <laughs> to deal with uh, uh, all this this stuff here in in whatcom county uh, with the nooksack river the flooding problem the drought problem, the legal issues um, that, that the state wants to uh, pursue with a water rights adjudication. What's your vision for what needs to, to happen here? I know you, got, you, you and I have talked about it very briefly a couple of times in the past, and, and you've said, you know, there are some things that need to happen. Well, and I think that, you know, our, our incident here this last Jeez, was it November already? Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, um, you know, six inches of rain uh, in a day is just a tremendous amount of water. Uh, but this isn't something new. If you go back and look at history, I mean, uh, historically, we've had these big rain events over the year. I mean, Skagit, it was 1924. Yeah. There was one in the 40s up there in the Fraser and the Nooksack. This isn't this isn't just all something new. Flooding is a part of Western Washington history. Uh, in the Skagit, we we they said that we could have had seven feet more water down at Mount Vernon had we not had the dams upriver to take that inflow. That's the one thing the Nooksack doesn't have, exactly. and I, and it's the one thing that the Chehalis doesn't have. And I think that we've got to look real hard. And and if you talk to some of the experts, they'll agree that long-term, we've got to have some flood control on these rivers, create reservoirs upriver um, that we can utilize for flood control, but also to uh, augment the uh, the uh, the river during uh, the time of the year where the salmon need it most. Yeah, and um, I think it's reasonably clear, and and it isn't huge projects, and they don't have to have a huge environmental toll like some. But what it does is that it allows um, the uh, powers that be. I mean, in a Skagit, the Army Corps takes that over in a time of a flood yeah. to control that that water. And uh, and as as the population grows, it's going to become more important to be able to do that. And if we can put hydroelectric at work, we need more power. If we're all going to be driving electric cars, we don't have the ability to produce the electricity. Yeah. So we've got to look at that. We've got to look at... Um, you know, long term, what can we do to help control downriver the flooding, whether it's through dikes and levees or whether we can look at some dredging in the lower rivers um, that isn't going to impact salmon? We've got completely away from that. But does it mean that it can't happen? I don't think the science is completely clear on that. Yep. Uh, so just to start, Dylan. Yeah, no, and, and that's the approach we're taking up here. Uh, and, and our focus is let's pursue anything and everything we can do. Um, let's get some things moving. Let's get towards, you know, actually taking action rather than studying ourselves to death for another 20, 30 years until the next big flood happens. 
like it seems we've done since the last one, the last big flood back in 1990. Let's do stuff. And and if we need to study, let's get a pilot project going and study it as we go here rather than waiting around for the perfect. And as I said before, and I've said this publicly, I was quoted on this saying, we can't let the, the perfect be the enemy of the good. And that's what it seems like so often. If, if something isn't absolutely perfect, there's some um, somebody connected with it politically that's going to shoot it down and, and say that it's it's terrible. When that can't be the 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 bar that's met, uh, we we will never accomplish anything if if that is um, the you're, you're bar exactly that we're right. Reach. You're exactly right. And every time somebody comes to me and says, "Well, that's a terrible idea," I said, "Okay, what's yours?" Yeah. And and I can't tell you how many times they just stop and well, what do you mean? I said, "Well, what's your alternative?" I've kicked an alternative out there. You say it's terrible. Um, what's your alternative? How are we going to solve this problem? And I think that unfortunately we've got, we've got a group of people out here who just don't want to do anything. And I don't know exactly what their long-term goal is. I sometimes wonder if it isn't to chase everybody off the land and to go back 10,000 years. And that's, that's not reality. Um, so what, what are we going to do? You know, our rivers are cleaner and better than in, than they've been any time in the last 50 years. So why haven't the salmon jumped back? Why haven't? Why are we continuing to have problems? Because we have done again and again what they've asked us to do out there in the country, and uh, and yet we aren't seeing the problems solved. These solutions have not resulted in it. So you know to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Well, you and I know both know well that's yeah. That's insanity. Senator Ron Mazal, Republican from Oak Harbor, farmer as well out there on Whidbey Island. Thank you for your time this morning, and and much more importantly, thanks for the good work that you're doing down there in Olympia. We appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, Dylan. Getting the word out is, is half or three-quarters of the battle.